0: A cursed college campus claims more victims. When a professional hitman sees crimes worse than his being committed, he decides to take the law into his own hands. And then we travel into the world of AI art. It's currently taking the world by storm, whether you need a book cover or you just want an image of an anime chick with huge boobs. AI art is where it's at. But when you request a brand new piece of art to be created for you, are you actually reaching into an alternate universe? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead rabbit radio i'm your host jason carpenter i'm having a great day i hope you guys are having a great day too i hope you guys are having tons of fun out there in the world this is episode like 996 we're four episodes away from episode 1000 and i'll tell you guys right now i got no i got no special plans for it it's hard enough just doing regular episodes it's hard enough coming up with stuff regularly so it's just gonna be just a a normal episode but thank you so much for being part of this journey it's fantastic we are doing a christmas live stream that's going to be december 25th at 12 p.m pacific standard time so maybe we'll do something there maybe i'll eat cake on the mic and irritate everybody but join us for the Christmas. do they do people eat cake at i think people eat pie at christmas jamie look that up look up what humans do On Christmas. But yeah, join us. We'll be on YouTube, and then I'm going to upload it to the podcast, the audio, and it's going to be much better quality this time. The Thanksgiving one didn't turn out that well. But someone who makes sure things always turn out well, walking into Dead Rabbit Command right now, is one of our newest Patreon supporters. Everyone get on your feet and give it up for Rex Ivan. Woo-hoo! Yeah! Walk on in, buddy! Walk on in. You sound like a supervillain. (laughs) It's a supervillain name. Rex, Ivan, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, if you guys don't work for the forces of evil, that's fine, too. Just help spread the word about the show. That really helps out. Tell everyone you know about Dead Rabbit Radio. It helps the show grow. Rex, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the hair hovercraft. We're going to take this one out of storage. Haven't used it in a while. Glide us all the way out to Irvine, California. Now, this is actually a follow-up to an episode I did a while back. But if you didn't hear that episode, it's totally fine. We'll do a quick review. It's a fascinating story. Fascinating update. It was episode 912, it was titled The Suicide Machine, and it talked about the University of California, Irvine. What happened was I was researching a ghost story about this ballerina who was really trying to get the lead part in the ballet. She's like, I gotta gotta be the one who stands on my tippy toes for three hours, it has to be me. But she didn't get the part. She's like, oh, man, I guess my feet aren't going to be bloody for weeks on end. And she was depressed. So she, <laughs> as I'm starting to laugh, as I'm starting to laugh, the story takes a tragic turn. She hangs herself. Well, well, here's the thing. So people didn't know that she didn't get the part. And her neighbors would look into her dorm and they would see her practicing all day long. She was constantly spinning. She was <laughs> constantly spinning around. And they're like, wow. She's really, really hoping to get that role. That's weird, though. I thought auditions were two weeks ago, but she's still practicing. Maybe she's getting ready for the show. People noticed that she was practicing day and night. The only thing is she was only practicing the same move, the spinny move. Well, it turns out she hung herself from her ceiling fan. And what they thought she was spinning, it was actually the, the ceiling fan going around and around. Now, obviously, that's an urban legend. Uh, you could obviously tell the difference between a ballerina spinning on one toe versus a body going woo 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 woo, woo flipping around like a stooge with their tie caught in a ceiling fan. You could obviously be like, "Wow, she really has those moves down. She's defying the laws of gravity. And she's been doing it for about 12 hours now." But that got me to look at that. That's an urban legend that comes out of UC Irvine. But UC Irvine does actually have a serious suicide problem, which is something I discovered when I was researching this urban legend. There was an article written for the OC Weekly. It was a great article written by Charles Lamb. And the article is titled, Why Do So Many Students Commit Suicide at UC Irvine's Social Science Plaza? And Charles Lamb paints this picture, so you have this campus. that was supposed to be this symbol of balance between nature and the modern world. You had this perfect balance, the way everything was laid out. But in the middle of it, they built the social sciences building. And it actually, they said the buildings are in this weird clockwise formation. It actually... When you're walking around UC Irvine, you feel everything is so open and breezy, and you can sense the intent behind the architecture. But when you enter the social sciences plaza, and every student has to take at least one class here, just the way the classes are laid out, it's not like the dean is like, let's see if you can survive one semester here you walk in there and everything starts to feel very claustrophobic and not like in a spooky way it's not like you go there and there's dark shadows walking <laughs> on although those might be there as well they say that it's just it's more closed off there's something like architecturally wrong about it it really throws off the balance of the campus and they have so many suicides so what happens is you have these buildings with these there's a uh, five buildings there these five multi-story buildings and they have these exterior staircases. They have interior ones as well, and I'm assuming elevators. But they have these exterior staircases. And, and on each landing, there's a sign. It says, don't kill yourself. <laughs> That's not verbatim. That's not the quote, but it was like, "You, there's help out there. Here's a phone number. Don't kill yourself. And those signs are on each floor. But what happens is people keep jumping off the exterior Staircases of these buildings and killing themselves during the school day. And some of these people aren't even students. Some of these people like travel here, walk up the staircase, and jump off. And nobody really knows why. Nobody really knows why. It was interesting because Charles Lamb... This is obviously a paranormal podcast. I'm a paranormal researcher, so I started talking about... Maybe it there's something here harnessing the dark energy. <laughs> Jason, that was really tacky. That, you remind me of that. That's pretty callous. I know. I know. But I was like, maybe there's something here harnessing this dark energy. UC Irvine was created when the niece of Myford Irvine killed himself. And then the entire Irvine, because Irvine was this family of very prominent real estate developers back in the day. Myford Irvine killed himself, and his niece, who took over everything, she was really the last living person, she donated like a thousand acres to build this. So the, the college itself, in a way, came out of a tragic suicide. And I, I kind of went with this paranormal angle, maybe maybe a, maybe a little bit of a mad scientist angle in there. And I said, why are people killing themselves here? Charles Lamb. Charles Lamb wasn't having any of that nonsense. He didn't say that. And it's interesting because the school themselves, like the school spokespeople, they're just like, they don't even like to acknowledge this stuff. They don't even like to acknowledge it. It happens. We, We just go on with the day. Like people will kill themselves and they'll kind of like rope it off and the ambulance shows up. But there's no like... Sometimes there are, but a lot of times there's no, like, candlelight vigil or memorial put up or anything like that. Someone kills themselves, everything is back to normal. Really interesting story. And I'll put it in the show notes, of course. But now we have a tragic update. This is so weird. This is so weird. I was reading my true crime. I wake up every morning and I'm reading all these true crime websites. Let's take a look at this. December 13th, 2022. It's 4 p.m. in the afternoon. A man named Andrew Nguyen Doan, 36 years old. He was a former student of UC Irvine. Back in 2017 to 2019, he attended this campus. He shows up at the social sciences plaza. We've seen this story happen before, right? Like, sometimes people have no relation to the school. Sometimes they're current students. Sometimes they're former students. Andrew shows up at the social sciences plaza. And he brings along his 77-year-old mother, Tao Tai Nguyen. They both proceed to go to the top floor of one of these social sciences buildings. Once they're at the top floor, out on one of these exterior staircases, Andrew throws his mother off the building. He then jumps off himself. They both die. This is the fir- As far as we know, this is the very first murder... That has happened at the Social Sciences Plaza. They have all been suicides. But just what was this? Two weeks ago, as of recording this episode, a dude threw his mom off and then jumped off himself. You have so many questions. This was a brief article on a true crime website. I'm sure you see Irvine. They they know the they know what to do. They just get the bodies out. Go on with the damn This is 4 p.m., right? This was right in school hours. Throws a 77-year-old mother off the ledge and then jumps off himself. It's absolutely insane. And, and speaking of that, Andrew did suffer from mental health issues. He was put in a mental hospital at one point. And he sexually assaulted his roommate while they were in the mental hospital. I mean, I feel bad for, for that dude, right? You're already in there. You're suffering from some mental issues. And then your roommate's a big old pervo, and you can't leave. You can't leave. But the Andrew sexually assaulted his roommate, so then they took Andrew out of the mental hospital, put him in a jail. He was there for about half a year, and then he got three years probation. He just got off probation in July. And now he's dead. Along with his mother. He murdered his mother. This is so weird. We don't know why. We don't know how. I mean, I guess he picked her up and threw her over. But, like, did they take the stairs? I 77 years old. That's a lot of stairs. That's a lot of stairs to walk up. Did they take the elevator? Did she know? (laughs) You're like, Jason, those are such minor points. You're like, did her legs cramp? Did she know? he was going to throw her off was it an assisted suicide and then a suicide like was she like i can't take this anymore andrew take me to those <laughs> take me to those stairs you've always been talking about absolutely creepy and again knowing what you see irvine has done with so many of the suicides that have taken place there they just brush it off i imagine this is also just going to get brushed off a murder. A murder took place at the suicide machine. That's a whole new wrinkle to what craziness could be going on here. Again, former student. He hasn't been there for three years. He hasn't been a student for three years. Well, <laughs> he was in a mental hospital in jail. Why did he come back here out of all the places in UC Irvine? Why did he come here? Why did he bring his mom? Did his mom know what was going to happen? Who knows? A terrifying story nonetheless. Rex, Ivan, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy we're going to leave behind UC Irvine. Drive us all the way out to Minneapolis. First off, I want to give a shout out to Patreon supporter and active member of the Patreon Discord, Denby Jones. He's the one who sent me over this story. He goes, listen, I don't know if this is true. I found this online. But it's interesting. I actually do think it's true. Actually, it's definitely possible. It's 100% possible. On December 12th, 2022, a former police officer posted something online saying, this happened a long time ago. It happened in Minneapolis. Maybe I could get in trouble for posting this, but whatever. It's been a while. I don't really care anymore. There was a string of murders in the city of Minneapolis a while back. And they were all related. They were all related because we knew the victims all had something in common, and the gunman used the same M.O. He actually might have been a professional hitman, the way all of these things played out. The police officers in Minneapolis they started to get these calls of these shotgun murders all over town. The police will show up, the front door is open, there's a man laying there with two shotgun blasts to the chest. No shotgun shells at the scene. Which is very important. So when you are shooting someone with a gun, say a rifle or a handgun, as the bullet, and I know <laughs> I know there's probably the wrong terminology that I'm calling what comes out of the gun. I always get yelled at about this stuff. When you fire a bullet out of a gun, it will... There's always, no matter how you make the guns, you can actually sand down this part of it. Sand down this part of the barrel. But the rifling in the barrel of the gun will actually leave groove marks on the bullet as it's spinning through to come out and go into somebody else's body. So that's why they're constantly doing these ballistic matches. It's so unique to a gun that if I find a bullet, as long as it's in reasonable shape, if it's completely flattened, I think you'd have a harder time doing the rifling. I don't don't think you get it all if it's mushroomed out like a hollow point. I could be wrong on that. But you have the bullet, you can match it to the rifling of a specific gun or rifle. So if I have a bullet and it has the grooves in it, I can then, if I can get the suspect's weapon... And the guy's like, I didn't do it, I didn't do it. And they're like, well, do you own a .22? Yeah. And I'm able to match the rifling of the bullet to that twenty two It's the same thing as DNA or fingerprints for a firearm. Now, when you're shooting someone with a gun, you can't then take the time to pull the bullets out of them. I mean, I guess you could if, you, if you're in the middle of the woods. If it's a totally isolated location. But when you shoot someone with a gun, generally you're going to leave the area. And if I can pull those bullets out and they're in good enough shape that I can test those grooves, I will get your gun and I will shoot bullets out of your gun. And then I will match the grooves in that bullet to the bullet that's in the body. That's how they'll catch a lot of people. Shotguns do not do this. The way a shotgun shell works is that when that shell is once the gunpowder in the shell is ignited, a bunch of shots, small little uh, ball bearings, basically, BBs. I I know a bunch of gun aficionados are pulling their hair right now. They're getting their guns ready to kill me. When you fire a shotgun, all the shot comes out of the shell, and there's no rifling. So you can take all the BBs in the world, you'll never be able to match them to what shotgun it came out of. However, the shells themselves, when that hammer comes down and clicks the back of the shell to ignite the gunpowder for the shot to come out, the hammer on the shotgun is unique, and it can actually leave a fairly unique impression on the back of the shells. When you eject the shells out of the shotgun, if a police officer can get one of those shells, and then eventually they're able to find the shotgun, they can match the hammer imprint on the back of the shell To the shotgun it's fired from. If they do not have the shells. Outside of you carrying around a smoking shotgun. From the crime scene. They can never prove that that guy was killed with your shotgun. Obviously, they can. If you, have a, if you have boxes of ammo of the same type of ammo that killed the guy, they'll use that in court. The fact that you had a shotgun, and this person that you kept threatening with a shotgun your entire life, they got finally killed by a shotgun, they'll use that. But otherwise, like a professional hitman who's killing people at random, or seemingly at random, they can't prove that's where it came from. That's a little bit of gun 101 for you, from me. Do not take that as advice. You're like putting a gun down. You're like, oh, because I want to use shotgun for work tonight. But what happens is they're going to these houses. They're finding these people shotgun to death. Just two shots. It's a sawed off shotgun. Boom, boom. The shells don't pop out. You keep it in there. You're not reloading. You turn around. You leave. The only evidence is there's a dead body full of shots. Got all these pellets inside of them. When you're investigating a random murder, like there really any murder, the first thing you have to do is find out is the first thing you gotta do is find out is the murderer is still here? Am I gonna get killed too? But once you realize that the murderer is not there, that you're not trapped in a jigsaw movie, you go, who's the victim? They find this guy, he's got two shotgun blasts to the chest, right inside of his house, middle of the day. Child molester Convicted child molester, maybe child porn, maybe enticement of a child. I mean, you have all these other wiggle words for it or the other crimes for it. What you have is a pervert who has been found guilty by the judicial system and has now been released, but they're still on the database. In most states, I think in all states at this point, but I could be wrong, there are Megan Law type databases where you type in your zip code They'll give you the addresses of all of the conv- all of the convicted sex offenders in your area. So they go, this guy, he's a convicted child predator of some sort. Child molester, child porn, whatever. It's usually combined. They, they're usually just not like they're no just child porn for me, sir. I'm not a molester. I know people think that's the case, but. Uh, delusional. They um, find this guy. He's child molester. He gets blasted away. Well, a period of time passes, and they get a report of another shotgun murder in Minneapolis. <laughs> I doubt these are the only shotgun murders happening in the city of Minneapolis. But they go out. They check it out. Some guy has been shot right inside the doorway of his house. Two shotgun blasts to the chest. When they check the victim's background. Sex offender. Registered sex offender. And these are high level. These are like level three sex offenders. All in all, 11 registered sex offenders are killed in the city of Minneapolis over a period of time. He goes, we did kind of figure out his M.O. Apparently, and I don't know if this is from witnesses in the area, apparently, and this story could be made up. Denby Jones is right. This story could be made up, but what what they had gathered what they had gathered in this possible fictional investigation was that he was dressing up as a delivery driver he was dressing up as like a UPS driver or an Amazon driver if it was an Amazon driver I mean, originally i was saying the story took place in the 80s but if it was an Amazon driver it would be like in the past what 6 years even UPS Amazon FedEx what have you he would dress up as a delivery driver He would go to the house, he would ask, is so-and-so here? Because he knows the name of the sex offender. When the person said, yeah, that's me, he would shoot them with the shotgun. Specifically, he said what we surmised is he would hold the shotgun up and that would immediately make the soon-to-be murder victim put his hands up and walk backwards. There's not much you can do when there's a shotgun pointed at you except walk backwards. And that would allow them to both slightly walk into the house where he could shoot him twice, and the sound of the shotgun would be slightly muffled, the muzzle blast of the shotgun would not be super visible unless you were like looking in through a window, and then he would just turn around and leave. That that is what they think the MO was. So why didn't we know any of this? Like we might not know any of it because it's fake. He said, and this makes sense. This is this does make sense. He goes, the reason why. The police actually made an active effort to cover this up. Because it's so easy to do. He said people hate pedophiles. Like, it's just one of the groups of people that everybody hates. And if you knew it was so easy to get away with gunning down perverts in their house... That you could walk around with an untraceable weapon. Sawed-off shotguns are illegal, so you don't want to be caught with one. Like, if you're driving around, there's no reason. There's no logical reason why you should have a sawed-off shotgun unless you wanted to conceal it and sneak up on people and blast their brains out. There's, like, no hunting. There's no, like, oh, I want to get this deer and I want to be right behind it when I blow its legs off. You have an untraceable weapon, a sawed-off shotgun. It's super easy to conceal, you're going to houses of people who you don't have to worry about. The, well, it's illegal to murder people, but they've already been tried and convicted. This isn't a thing and done prison time and then was released. This isn't a thing where you're like, well, you know, he was 19 and she was 17 and who knows? No, 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 no. These are people who've had their crimes documented. They've been through the system. So I'm not, let me back up here. I'm not advocating people do this. I'm saying this would be the rationale. If it got out that you could type in your zip code and find the worst of the worst these were tier 3 level 3 sex offenders go to their houses and kill them and not get caught 11 people have already been killed and the police are no closer to catching who this is he goes it would be it would be open season so we covered it up we actually We made sure the media did not know what was going on. And eventually, because police beat reporters are pretty persistent, it did start to get out and reporters were going to cover it. And the police had to go, please don't cover this because you have no... If it gets out that it's this easy, the streets are going to be running red with blood. Like, we're trying not to underplay this. You will create a massive vigilante spree. And they said there was a Fox affiliate out there that they really had to put the thumb down and go, like, seriously, we had to bring them in and show them all this stuff and said, this is what will happen if you report this story. It will cause so much damage. A lot of people will die. So eventually they relented. They did not cover it as well. It's a fascinating true crime story. I, If this particular series of events didn't happen... If this was just a LARP, right? If this was just made up online, these do happen. And because the information is so easily accessible, I remember when Megan's Law came out, I remember thinking, it's going to be open season on these guys. Like, all you have to do is put in a zip code and you know where everyone's at. And I'm wondering if it is open season. I'm wondering if this does happen. Like, we see it in news articles. We see this happen from time to time. I'm wondering if it happens way more often than we think. But the police are like, just don't say anything. I bet it does happen a lot more than we think. Especially if you like to kill people, right? You're a hitman. They thought this guy might be a professional hitman on the side. Maybe it's just a way for him to keep his reflexes going in between jobs. Who knows? Or maybe he's just trying to rid the world of super perverted people. I'm a fan of vigilanteism. I'm not a huge fan of murdering people. I don't know. I don't know what else to add to the end of that. Like, I do, I, vigilanteism works when the system is broken. If the system works perfectly, there are no vigilantes because people go, oh, the police will take care of it and the justice will be served. It's when those things don't happen. When someone commits 10 horrendous crimes and then they plea it down to one horrendous crime, and instead of 25 years, they get five years and then they're out in three, the system's broken. And that's when you see. The vigilantes show up. I am a fan of vigilanteism. I'm not a fan of lynch mobs, and there's a there's a fine, there's a fine line between those two as well. But uh, yeah, it's I'm not a fan of murdering people. I I, I guess I wish you could just beat I guess you, I wish you could just beat them up and they'd learn their lesson and they would stop being pervos. You know, a shotgun blast to the chest. I don't know. It's a crazy story though. I'm sure it is super common, but Rex Ivan, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the Carpenter copter. We are leaving behind Minneapolis. We're waving goodbye to that police officer. He gave a lot of details. I'm thinking he might have been the guy with the shotgun, honestly, but he's waving to us and he's holding a shotgun behind his back. We're like, okay, see you later. (laughs) See you later, buddy. Rex, fly us out of Minneapolis. We are headed to... Switzerland. I've been studying conspiracy theories since I was about twelve. Thirty-four years I've been in the game, and one thing that I love, and I think it's what separates the successful conspiracy theories from the, the just the madness that some crazy guy thinks up and no one pays attention and it just disappears—brevity. Keep it short, keep it simple. The color orange is evil. It's a real conspiracy theory. It makes no sense. I've I've studied that one, and even I am unsure how they get to the color orange is evil. I know it has something to do with the parts of the NASA spacecraft is made of orange. I don't know if it's related to their Tang addiction. but doesn't make any sense. Mountains are trees. And the theory is is that the world used to be much bigger, and when we look at a mountain, we're actually looking at the stump of a tree that used to reach high into the sky. The trees we see would be bushes in the past. It's brevity. Right, you could, you could say it all in a sentence, and it evokes a natural world that has been lost. A world of giants, a world of nature unbridled. Trees bigger than we could even imagine. We're just looking at the dead remains of this once truly awe-inspiring world. Brevity. Monkeys don't exist. Every monkey you've ever seen is a puppet or a man in a suit. Evolution is a lie to make us not believe in God. Brevity. When you come across a conspiracy theory that can just be explained so easily and just make the mind wander in wonder, that is gold. AI art. AI art is this new thing, everyone's using it, there's a lot of debates. You have artists, traditional artists, as there will now be known as, who are fighting against it. No to AI art. There's this huge movement, no to AI art. It, to me, it reminds me of when the painter saw the photographer and said, that's not art. Like, I'm spending hours making an impression of this mountain. You're just clicking a button. It's the same mountain, sure, but where's the soul? Where's the creation? Where's the interpretation of what I'm doing? Now, both arts stand side by side. I think we'll see the same thing eventually with AI art. I don't think it's going to replace artists. I think it may replace some of the gig artists, right? People who are doing logos on Fiverr. People who are doing Fursonas. That stuff will be replaced by AI art. But the artists themselves won't be replaced. They will evolve with it. And I think they'll start using AI art themselves. And doing touch of everything. I don't think it's the end of art or artists or anything like that. But it's fascinating to watch. And it's happening so quickly. Now as a television movie buff. I've been loving the things. We did a whole episode on the Chrome Lords. Or a whole segment on the Chrome Lords. This lost 1990s straight-to-video movie about man and machine fusing as one and a new religion being born out of it. Or, or, actually, that's not the plot. (laughs) There's no plot. It's just a series of images that look like it's from a 1990s, straight-to-VHS sci-fi horror movie. It looks fascinating. Recently, I saw Black Star Wars. Fascinating. It's Star Wars meets The Wiz. With an all-black cast, a 1970s vibe, very discotech, The Death Star itself, a huge disco ball. Jedis wearing large brimmed hats. It's fascinating stuff. This is all AI-generated. People are typing in these prompts. And they're creating these images of movies that may have been. The Russo brothers recently profiled The Avengers, directed by Wes Anderson. So it has a very, the royal tenenbaums vibe. The costumes look handmade. They look like they're made of leather and cloth. Fascinating. All these images are going to be in the show notes. You've probably seen a lot of them yourselves. And people are getting a kick out of these. Like, it is like, what if Star Wars wasn't created by George Lucas, but it was created by Melvin Van Peebles? But when I found this image, an Afrocentric Star Wars. It was accompanied by one sentence. This was a post on the export. One sentence. Probably one of the best conspiracy theories that I've come across recently. This is fascinating. I love this. I talk about brevity, and yet I spent that whole time building up to this. Disco Funk Star Wars. One sentence. These are not images from AI. They are images from CERN. CERN needs no introduction, but I'll give a short one. Particle Physics Laboratory in Switzerland. It has long been associated with, even really before it turned on, right? Even when they were building it, it was going to create a black hole. When they activated it, it was going to destroy the planet. It was going to open gateways into other universes. That's the most common conspiracy theory right now. I went to a thrift store here in town. And I made the mistake wearing an alien necklace and the shopkeeper kept telling me about how CERN had opened up a portal and you could reach in and pull stuff out. They're pulling stuff out, don't you understand? They're pulling stuff into our reality. CERN has, since its inception, been connected very strongly with the world of the paranormal, the world of conspiracy theory. But it's... Main thing that it gets brought into in the world of conspiracy theory is that it is opening portals to other worlds. And here we have it perfectly... This is so fascinating. The AI art you are seeing, you are actually not getting it the way they are telling us we are getting it. What we are told is you put in a string of words. Wes Anderson directs the Avengers courtroom scene. Captain America played by Bill Murray... Black Widow played by Anya Taylor-Joy, 1970s, CP tone. You put in all this stuff and then this picture pops out. But that's not what's happening. You're putting in these prompts and the AI is not crawling across the internet using this massive database of all existing images to build its own. What it's doing is when you type in the string of letters, it is reaching through the multiverse, which is infinite, To find one where that happened. It is not creating an image, it is receiving an image. Is it true? Probably not. Probably not. The AI is actually probably working the way that we think it is. But let's throw on our conspiracy caps and finish this out and just uh, imagine for a moment. How this would work. Because. In a multiverse. It would—it absolutely would work like this. And this AI art program. Is actually going into these portals. That have been opened up. By CERN. And it is exploring the multiverse. One image at a time. Or in the case of the Chrome Lords. When you're putting that in, you're actually pulling screen grabs from a, a, a reality where the movie Chrome Lords was made. Pulling them into us. And this would make sense that you would have... You know how you have the Captcha the things with the images where it's like, find three pictures of a car. You have to click on the three pictures of the car or the Captcha where you have to type in what those letters actually say. That is all to assist computer learning. We just think it's an annoying thing so we can post something. But all of that information is then being fed back into computers, so it has a better idea to tell what a car is, what a stoplight is, what a bird looks like, because now it takes all these random images and it goes, well, a human identified these three as birds. We're going to put these in the bird part of our brain that's what it is it's to assist machine learning but it was also a way to stop bot attacks it was a way to stop things from getting flooded comments from spam accounts and things like that so it did us a favor i mean we they're pretty annoying but it does make the websites we go to more manageable it helps the website and then it helps the machine learning tools by doing that This would, imagine if you're sitting there at CERN and you've now opened up the multiverse. You're you're like, dude, I got to fill out paperwork tomorrow. I don't have time to explore the infinite depths of reality. I got that human sacrifice at 6 p.m. tonight. So you create these programs that other people do it for you. It'll be super interesting to find out what we can't do. I know there are currently limiters on it. Like, they don't allow you to create illegal material. They won't let you make child porn. If you type those prompts, and a guy with a shotgun shows up at your house, it's the Terminator. They have limiters like that built on it. But I wonder if there are going to be things that we can't find. Like, you type in, I want to see a picture of Heath Ledger's Joker but in a movie directed by stanley kubrick and just won't, won't it, the it won't work that image will never pop up it will never be the same as any other image because that for whatever reason that movie was never made throughout the multiverse that movie just never happened It would be, I mean, I love this conspiracy theory. I really do. And what's funny is the reason why I think I love this conspiracy theory, and I think I can speak for a lot of people, when we look at these images of these movies that were never made, it does make you go, oh, man, that would be cool. That would be really cool. But we know Wes Anderson's never going to direct The Avengers. The Avengers need to be these one and a half to two hundred million dollar movies and they have to have all of these things in them to make them commercially viable and all these license fees and they got to sell toys. And da-da-da. But when you look at these nine or ten images of Wes Anderson's The Avengers movie, it makes you go, wow, that would have been cool. Before the hype, before the phase four, before all of this stuff, they gave it to an auteur. This is what he made. Chrome Lords is the same thing. The Disco Funk Star Wars is the same thing. When you look at those images, I was like, "Dude, this would have been so awesome." Would it have been a success? No. Would it have created this massive franchise that spanned decades? No. But if you found that movie, if you happen to find Star Wars directed by Melvin Van Peebles, sitting at a blockbuster, you rented it and you watched it it would be a it would be an underground cult hit it'd be so weird so good you go man i can't believe this this didn't spawn a series of sequels this movie's dope it does it does evoke that reaction in us when we see these things that might have been but aren't it's just a string of ai commands put into some web browser, and then these images are spit out. But what if it's more than that? What if when we're looking at these images, they do exist? They do exist. And when we look at them, it's there is a version of us that did watch Star Wars when they picked it up in a blockbuster video in an old, beat-up VHS box. You could tell the movie had been sitting on the shelf for a long time, but when you picked it up, you took it home, you discovered it. You couldn't wait to tell your friends about it. There was a version of you that did watch this Wes Anderson Avengers movie in an alternate reality where there was no giant conglomerate pumping out these movies, three a year plus two television series you got to watch just to understand the movie. There was a version of you that watched the Chrome Lords over... And over and over again. And that's why when you saw those images, you go, wow, I wish I could have seen this movie. This movie looks so cool. Because you did. And you loved it. In another reality. I love this. I love this conspiracy theory. This is really cool. And I honestly, I don't know how much traction this is going to get. It was a single sentence. Single sentence on the Xboard, and then everyone else started talking about AI art, how to use it, how to, you know, where to find this stuff, and different things. It was almost like an afterthought, this theory that was put forth. But this one might get big because people are having reactions to this stuff. I'm having reactions to this stuff. You see these images, and you go, Wow, wouldn't that be cool? Because in another universe, it was cool. We found it. We loved these things. Each time you type in one of these prompts, you are helping CERN map out the multiverse. You are exploring reality after reality after reality with just a string of words. Fascinating. I love this conspiracy theory. We'll see We'll see if it gains any traction. I really hope it does. It's absolutely awesome. It's just one sentence. It's all it took. These are not images from AI. They are images from CERN. They aren't just pieces of random pictures pooled together. They're a window into an alternate reality. A world that never was for us, but for another us, out there somewhere, it's the only world they know. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.